Hello, this is Tim, the lead pastor of Mosaic Portland, and welcome to the Mosaic Portland podcast. We exist to follow Jesus in authentic community for the world. And right now we're gathering Sundays online uh, to worship together and to open up scripture together. And then after that, we have virtual house gatherings that meet all over our city. And the great thing about these is that you can actually join in wherever you're listening from. We think these right now are the best way to be known, to connect with others, uh, and to be on mission together. They're also where we pray together on Sundays in smaller communities, where we take communion together and debrief what the talk was about and engage scripture more. If you want to find out more information of how to be a part of one in this season, you can find out more info on our website, mosaicportland.org. Now let's go to scripture together as we listen to this podcast. So good to be with you. We're continuing on in our series that we started last week, Prayers of Renewal. And I'd like to invite you in this summer to uh, what we believe is is a really important season in the life of our church. We believe, as we talked about last week, that God is doing something new, that we need him to do something new, that we're asking him to do something new, that we're waiting on him to do something new. And we want to be ready for for what it is that he does in us as individuals and as families, as a church family, that we're asking him to do in us and in our city and in our world. We had a great time celebrating last week as we looked back and as we celebrated graduates. And and now we're going to continue on in our series. And we're calling this Prayers of Renewal, again, because we're asking God to do something new in us, and that begins with prayer. And I want to take a look at a, at, a, at a piece of scripture that we looked at briefly last week and look at it in more in depth together today. And so if you've got a Bible, find your way to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is a prophet, and he speaks God's words to his people at his time, that he hears from God and he delivers that message to the people. And we need to hear that as God's people today. Isaiah chapter 6 is a, is a text that we've looked at a couple months ago uh, in our series, uh, Words Fall Short, uh, because it talks so clearly about God's glory, the weight of God's goodness, and, and as, it, as Isaiah describes, his, his glory fills the temple. I want to look at some other parts of this scene and this, this portion of scripture. And we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 8 in chapter 6 of Isaiah. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. I think this is a prayer of renewal. I think it's a prayer of renewal where we see in very vivid picture and personal experience what Isaiah experienced, the renewal that he experienced as he experienced God's presence. Uh, renewal is, is kind of a new word for us. It's not one that we look at, we've, we've talked about often in terms of the biblical context, but as, 
as we understand that God's story throughout scripture, throughout history, and even in our own time, we see that God has a pattern of bringing renewal over and over again. In fact, the good news of Jesus is a story of renewal. It's, it's taking us from death to life by the life, death, sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, conquering death is a story of moving from death to life, of renewal. We see all through scripture that there is renewal that God brings about. He begins with Abraham and he, he says, I'm gonna bless all people through you. And then as we follow that storyline through, we see the people of Israel in the Hebrew people in slavery in Egypt in a sense of death there and they're brought to life. They wander in the desert for 40 years but then they're given the promised land, they experience life. That we, we follow uh, the story of the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel, doing well at times, doing very poor at times, and God's continually faithful to them, bringing renewal over and over. And as we move into the New Testament, we experience the hope of Jesus through the story and the writers of the New Testament, saying how Jesus offers new life, and without him, there's not real life. And so, even going back all the way to Adam and Eve at the very beginning of Scripture, that they experience death, they're the first ones to experience death, but God's promised new life and put the seed in them that will come to new life over. And so as we go from Adam and Eve all the way through the end of the New Testament in Revelation, we see this promise of renewal and this work of renewal. As we look through the history of the church, we see times of struggle and stagnation and decline, and then we see new life and God moving in new ways. It's this renewal that I believe we need in this time that we have a sense of there's, there's something wrong, there's something not right, and we need renewal in this time. And so if we can, if we can use kind of a definition of renewal, because as you hear that, you might hear other words kind of closely related to that, maybe revival or awakening, and those words are all very similar and they're related. But I want us this season, this summer, to focus on one specifically, renewal. Revival is often used in, in kind of in Britain in, in the history of the church that we see there and God working in, in really powerful ways. Awakening is a word that we see used in our own history and in, the, in our nation's history of uh, America, of first great awakening, second great awakening, and God moving in new ways and uh, people coming to know him, lives transformed, movements of justice and peace and redemption happening throughout society. So whether it's been re revival or awakening, those are preceded by a movement of renewal in a few people. And as we look at this prayer of renewal in Isaiah, he's one person, and God starts with one person, his prophet, and he describes this experience where he's renewed. His guilt is taken away, his sin is atoned for, he experiences that conviction, that confession, repentance, and then is renewed and then says, here am I, send me. But what happens before that is, is a moment of crisis. The very first phrase of the, what this passage that we read says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, and he goes on to describe what he saw as he experienced God's presence. In the year that King Uzziah died is, is actually a, a, an indicator to us that something had been gone really, really wrong. Throughout the story of scripture, when we have the, the history of the, the people of Israel, we, we have these, this chronology of king after king after king, and scripture tells us this king followed God and obeyed him and did right in the eyes of God, and this king failed God, and there's just this report after report after report of kings that followed God and kings that disobeyed God. And when we read about and learn about this particular king, King Uzziah, we have a, we have a mixed story. 
King Uzziah became king when he was 16. If you can imagine that, if you're a teenager and becoming king at 16 and all that would involve and all of the, the wealth and power and privilege that would be at your hand. He became king at 16 and handled it well. And he was king for 52 years. He had a long, long reign. And we read about him in scripture and we're told that he was a good king, that he did well, that he fought for God, that he obeyed God, that he worshiped God. And then towards the end of his life, something changed. It actually says his heart rose. And there's a sense of he became prideful. And what he did is he, he strayed from obeying God and moved to disobeying God. And this is going to sound maybe a little bit odd, but he disobeyed God in his worship of God. That he now thought that he could worship God in his own way and not follow the way that God said that he wanted to be worshipped. That he was worthy to be worshipped in a very specific way. And so he actually went into the temple where he's not supposed to go, violated God's command, burned incense, and God punished him for that. And so while the majority of his reign, he was a good king, at the end of his reign, we have this crisis where he's punished by God with leprosy, spends the last year of his life struggling with leprosy and, and then dies. And it throws the nation into a moment of, of crisis, of struggle, of challenge. And it's at that moment that, that Isaiah experiences God's presence in a new way. As we look back over the story of scripture, as we look back over the history of the church, and as we look back into our, our world and our context right now, what we see is that God moves in new ways when there's crisis, when there's challenge, when there's great need. If we, if we look even of what's going on today, uh, seeing uh, an, the things that are going on in, the, in this world at this moment and in our culture, and the, the things that are changing rapidly are, are in many ways drifting away from knowing the one true God that created and loves every single person. We've said this often, we've said this frequently, but we've described our, our culture today, and many do, it's not just us, we didn't name this, but, but the, the world over sees a movement in culture that is moving more post-Christian. And that's not the whole world, because not every country knows and follows Jesus or has an understanding of scripture. But particularly in our culture, which we would say is a Western civilization, Western Europe and, and America. And as we look to Western Europe in particular, we see where culture is trending there and then we see we're rapidly catching up to them. And one of the ways we've described our own city, the Portland, Vancouver metro areas, is becoming increasingly post-Christian. And part of what that means is that it, we're, we're increasingly becoming a, a secular culture. And if we were to look back in, in biblical times and what Isaiah is experiencing is as he sees the people drifting further away from God and then he experiences God's presence, he sees a great divide in what he's experiencing God's presence and what's going on in the culture. If we look into our own day and becoming a more secular post-Christian city and world, we're seeing that one of the things that's happening in culture is that it's, it's trying to jettison the Christian faith. I'm saying that the Christian faith is actually harmful to people, to families and cultures, and to, and to get away from it. And in its place is putting a different kind of faith or a different kind of belief. And part of what goes along with that is this longing for a better and a good life, is a longing for things to be improved, for people to get along, for cities and societies to thrive. And that's a hopeful and good vision and desire. And as that, as that grows and it gets become more clarified, there's this hope in humanity that we can improve ourselves. And beyond just progressing and getting better, that we can actually reach a level of perfection. That everyone can get along and everyone can be safe and everyone can be healthy. And those are good things and good desires. 
In fact, I would say that those are desires that are God-given, that are, that are put deep in the human soul and that we long for these things. The danger in what we're experiencing in a post-Christian secular society is that faith in someone, in some power that is beyond us, is jettisoned. It's rejected, it's done away with. In fact, part of what it means to be a secular society means simply that, that belief is contestable. A secular society means a lot of things, but one of the things it means is that even having any form of belief or faith is debatable and can be removed out of our system and worldview of just living, that, to, get, to get rid of that. And what's so fascinating is that another form of belief comes into its place, and the belief ends up being in ourselves and that we become increasingly self-reliant, which is exactly what Isaiah was experiencing. And the people of God were, were wandering away from God and saying, we can do it on our own. We don't need God. We don't need to be worshiping him. We don't need to orient our lives around him. We don't need to depend on him. His glory is not that great. He's not that holy. We can do it our own way. And so what we're experiencing today in our particular unique post-Christian secular society is, is not all that unique. It's unique to our time. It's unique to us, but as we look back over the span of human history, it happens over and over and over again. One of the, uh, the books I've really appreciated uh, recently is a, is a book called Reappearing Church, and I wanna read a portion of it uh, for you. It's written by a, a pastor uh, who lives in pastors in Melbourne, Australia, named Mark Sayers. Um, and uh, a, a few of us uh, on staff here at Mosaic, uh, Kim, Adam, and I uh, got to sit with, with Mark and Terry Walling in a class. We got to audit a class with them two and a half years ago, January of 2019. And I tell you that for a very specific reason because there's a quote in the book that I want us to pay particularly close attention to. And it's, it, it matters based on a time of when it was written. But as we sat in this class with Terry, and if you don't know who Terry Walling is, he's um, somebody that we've worked closely with for uh, about three or four years now. Um, he, he's a good friend of Paul Rhodes, who many of us know. And uh, Terry just led about three dozen of us here at Mosaic through Focus Living a few weekends ago. Um, and Terry has mentored Mark for several decades. Uh, and Mark Sayers and Terry Walling were doing this class together. And as we sat with him, we learned about the call for renewal in the life, not just of the church, but as us as individuals. And how, when, as we're living in an increasingly secular society, in a, in a society that is increasingly post-Christian, there's these unique challenges that we face as we seek to follow Jesus and be a faithful, resilient, obedient church in this time. So as we look out at society, we also can turn that lens and look inward at us. So listen to Mark's words here, and it's a, it's a little bit of a long quote, but I think it's particularly relevant because so many things we can look at and say, yes, that's happening right here in our time in this year in our city. Listen to this. It is not just at the macro level that the secular myth of progress is being challenged. Our private worlds are in crisis too. We see the rise of anxiety and mental health disorders. We know that anxiety is, is increasing exponentially, particularly in, in this year and in, in a half of COVID. Falling IQ levels, epidemic loneliness and social disconnection. Again, how much loneliness has increased in this last year, year and a half. Widespread online bullying and the persistence of discrimination, bigotry, and hatred. This was written in early 2019, before this, this last year of all that we've experienced that has been exposed when it comes to racism and bigotry and, and hatred in our country. 
Addictions to drugs, food, technology, sex, gambling, and relationships are widespread. Obesity is rising, becoming a full-blown health issue. In the West, poor mental health is now normative among emerging generations. My wife, Abby, is an ER nurse, and she just learned recently, came home and told me the statistic that she learned, that our city, Portland, ranked, not just our city, Portland, but our state of Oregon, ranked 49th out of 50, second lowest of all 50 states in the ratio between how high our, our mental health need is versus the amount of resources that we have as a state to provide for that. The ratio of that is the worst 49th out of 50 of, of our entire country. Mental health is now normative among emerging generations. Life expectancy, listen to this, life expectancy in the West, two most powerful nations, the United States and the United Kingdom, has fallen for the last three years running. With all these factors in play, we can see how many are having their moment of doubt for the post-Christian revival that seems to be running aground. What he's saying there is that the crisis is not just external as we look in society around us. When, it, when we talk about the increase in secularism in a post-Christian society, and I read all those details because they, they are so close to home that we've experienced them, that we have family members and friends that are experiencing them. And I read these not to say, wow, we live in a in a horrible time, I don't believe that we do. We live in a time of unique crisis and challenge where there is an increasing need for a new work of God to come in. I read these all to you so that we don't just hear again the fresh reminder of the reality that we're existing in, but to say that times have changed and the crisis and challenge that we face is unique and it is significant, not to bring despair or depression or even fear but to highlight the need that we have in our time for God to work in a new way and for us to be available to say, as Isaiah said, here am I, send me. But before we can say that and before we can be agents of change, we have to experience God's renewal in our own life. Very, two, cha- two verses later, I'm sorry, not verses, two paragraphs later, Mark writes this, if we endured a global flu pandemic like the one in the early part of the 20th century that killed millions of people across the world, how we view and process our personal potentials and possibilities would be deeply shaken. If we experience a global flu pandemic. Mark wrote that in early 2019, about a year before COVID hit. This book was published a few months later in August of 2019. It's fascinating reading that. And what he's calling out is what we know that our, our personal potentials and possibilities, how we process what could be possible for our life has changed in the last 15 months as, as we've experienced COVID. Another fascinating thing to consider, and we mentioned this at the very early start of, of COVID in, in March and April of, of 2020, is as we look back in the life and the history of the church, is that pandemics came in the life of the early church and it actually fueled the church's growth that the church's growth went viral in that moment, partly because people were on their knees praying, asking for God to empower them and to change them. But then they were available for the needs in society around them. And as people saw them sacrificing their time and risking their even health to serve people in cities across the Roman Empire, the message of Jesus went viral because the people of Jesus were serving wherever they were at. It also deepened the connection between those who are already following Jesus. So we see a depth of community and a spread of the good news and of the church around the world. 
And so in our time now, we see that need. We see the need in the, in the cultural change that we're experiencing. Barna just put out uh, new statistics that 51% of Americans say that they have a biblical worldview. Listen to this for a moment. 51% of Americans say they have a biblical worldview. And then they ask a follow-up list of questions that identify things that just define a biblical worldview. And as they answered those, they found that actually it's 6% hold a biblical worldview. So 51% of people say, yes, I have a biblical worldview. But when I answer these questions, such as, I think it's 39% said uh, that they believe in reincarnation. Another 33% said that they do not believe that each and every human being is born both good, but also born with a sin nature. And the only answer for that sinful nature is Christ's sacrifice on the cross and offer of grace and forgiveness. That's the basic good news of Jesus that each and every one of us need. And 33% said, no, that's, there's another way. That's not a biblical worldview. 51% of Americans say, yes, I hold a biblical worldview that scripture frames how I see the world. And yet, and asked in detail to identify that worldview, it's really only 6% can say that. That's a very, very small number. And yet, one of the things that we see when God brings renewal throughout history is that it starts with a few. It starts with a few, a small group, a faithful and creative few that are pursuing God. It starts with a few, it starts with that few looking out and seeing the world is broken and in need, that something is wrong, that there is crisis and challenge all around when they look. And then they bring it a little bit closer and they say, and the church, the church is not living up to her calling, that the bride of Christ is flawed, is flailing, is in decline, is stagnated. But instead of just critiquing and pointing a finger at the church, they assess it and say, there's something wrong here. But instead of stepping away and rejecting it, saying, this is not who the church is supposed to be, that the bride of Christ is to be powerful and moving throughout the world. And so they take a further step back and look at their own heart and say, what is it that God is calling me? What is wrong in my own life? And this is what Isaiah experiences. And this is why this is a prayer of renewal for Isaiah experiences God's presence. And in God's presence, he realizes, I'm a man of unclean lips. As we see throughout the biblical stories, we see throughout the history of the church and what we need today is a few that will say, there's something wrong in the world, the church is not living up to its calling, and it begins with me. And so what if we were to be that few? What if it were to start with us that we say, God, do something new in me? It starts with a few, but it also starts with our heart. And if it starts with our heart, it also has to start with prayer. That you and I, if we're to say, there's a need there, and God, wants to begin in my own heart and in my own life so that I can get to the point where I can say, here am I, send me. It's gonna start with prayer. And so I've got a couple questions for us. Three questions. I wanna ask them of us and then I wanna answer them for you, I'll give you my answers for them, at least at this date. First is this, what are you praying for this summer? What are you praying for this summer? Maybe you're like, no, I, I've, I'm kinda checking out this summer, then, then you're not included in this. If you're not gonna pray this summer, then you, you don't get to be included in this. I hope you opt in and you wanna be included in this. And you say, yeah, I wanna pray this summer. I want God to begin to work in my own life. So what are you praying for this summer? Secondly is this, 
Will you pray for renewal in your own heart? Will you pray for renewal in your own heart? That's a yes or no question. That's an easy answer. The third is this. Where do you need renewal in your own life? Where do you need renewal in your own life? Renewal is, happens when we align our own hearts and our own lives with God's presence, when we experience God's presence. And then as a result of that, what happens is that we join, we partner with God for his purposes in the world. And so these three questions I believe are really key. What are you praying for this summer? Will you pray for renewal in your own heart? And where do you need renewal right now? Here's my answers to this. What are you praying for this summer? I'm praying for my family first, uh, my wife Abby and my three sons, Ethan, uh, Max, and Owen. Uh, two of those three are dating uh, young women, and so I'm praying for them as well, but that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for uh, us, for our church family, and particularly our, our staff team uh, that I get to work with. I'm praying for, for Mosaic and our, and our leaders. Um, and then um, I'm also praying for four neighbors by name, four neighbors that I can see from my house, a couple houses away each, and I've uh, gotten to know their names, and I'm praying for them uh, by name. That's what I'm praying for this summer. Uh, the second question is, will you pray for renewal in your heart? Uh, I am praying for that. I'm going to continue to pray for that. Um, this would be really wacky if I wasn't, and I'm challenging all of you to pray for that. So yes, I'm praying for new, renewal in my own heart. The third question is, where do you need renewal in your life. I've got two answers to that right now. The list may grow. I'm sure it's longer than that. I just stopped it too. Here's where I'm praying for renewal in my own life this summer. The first is, is rest and refreshment. It has been an intense year coming up in a year and a half. Uh, I am looking forward to and asking God for rest and refreshment. In fact, tomorrow I start vacation for several weeks and I'm really looking forward to just being with my family and hanging out and I'm praying for rest and refreshment. That's the first one. The second one is this. I'm praying for an increased courage that is resting on hearing the voice of God. Part of our vision as a church is to make and to multiply courageous and resilient disciples. I think we have been uniquely resilient this year. I wanna grow in my courage as we follow God into what is new and what is next. If we're gonna pray for renewal in our own life and in the life of our church, and that we see God move in a new way in our city and our world, it's gonna take a lot of courage. Not courage that I muster on my own, but courage because I know that I'm hearing his voice, God's voice. And so I'm, that's the second thing I'm praying for. So I wanna invite you to join with us and to be part of the few that are praying that God would do a new work first in us and then in our church and in our world that we know as we look around the world and in our own city and in our own neighborhoods and maybe even our own homes, that there is a crisis and a challenge. There is a need for God to work in our time, in this moment in history. And so, would you join with us as we pray for God to renew us and then to work through us?